This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. I've never been more consumed by a project than this one because I had one chance to do it right. And I know I have a really strong mental vision of what my daughter would look like now. And I'm sure that all the other mothers did too. Welcome to the Portrait System Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and this show is here to help you succeed in the world of photography and business, to help you learn to become financially free doing what you love and so much more. With over 1 million downloads, countless photographers have taken what they've learned from both our episodes and from theportraitsystem.com, and they have grown their businesses, quit their day jobs, and are designing a life of their dreams. We keep it real and share stories about the ups and downs that come with running a photography business. You'll hear real life stories of how other photographers run their business, and you'll learn actionable steps that you can take to reach your own goals. Thank you so much for being here, and let's get started. Hey guys, now is your chance to check out all of the incredible photography education we have available for you at theportraitsystem.com. For only $7, you will get access to over 1,000 videos, including pricing, posing, marketing, lighting, sales, inspiring photo shoots, self-value, and more. Yes, you'll get your first month for only $7 when you become a pro member, and you'll get access to the full download library with posing guides and workbooks and so much more. Also, this includes a pricing calculator, a studio startup timeline, our weekly live broadcasts, including Sue Bryce's live talks, access to our private members-only Facebook groups, special discounts on photography products, and so much more. Head over to theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7 to get your first month for only $7. That's theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7. This week on The Portrait System, my guest is Allie Elliott, a portrait photographer in Bloomington, Indiana. Allie chatted with me about how she lives in a smaller town, but there's a university there, and that brings in a ton of diverse people who ultimately become her clients. Allie's work has been highly awarded, and she really puts her heart and soul into what she does. Stemming from her own loss of a child, Allie started a project where she creates beautiful portraits for grieving parents and siblings to honor the child that passed away. This was a very touching interview, and I'm very happy to share it with you. Okay, let's get started with Allie Elliott. Hello, Allie. Welcome to the Portrait System. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. Yeah. It's a beautiful day, and I'm excited to to chat. Yes. All right, Allie. We have a lot to cover because for this, Allie has a really amazing project that she that she does, and it's a charity project, right? Or is it? Yes, correct. So 
she kind of has two parts of her business, the charity part of it, and then your like portrait studio work. So let's start with your portrait studio work and, and tell people what you do there. So I'm in Bloomington, Indiana. And if, like I was mentioning earlier, if you don't follow college basketball, you've probably never heard of Bloomington, Indiana. <laughs> but we are a small town at its core. We're 80,000 people, 50,000 are students. But those students are from all over the world. So we've got this weird little cool, diverse bubble of all different cultures and background stories. And and it's a really unique place. And that's where I've had my studio for the last, gosh, uh, 12 years. Very cool. You You wouldn't think of small town to be, you know super diverse. No, we're you know? weird. <laughs> yeah. We're like, so that's we awesome. get compared to Austin, Texas a lot. Oh, nice. It's very artist there. friendly and, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. It's always a surprise. Okay, so what type of portraits do you shoot? So I shoot classical portraits anywhere from newborn, maternity, family, anything like that. But I don't shoot any events. I'm too much of a control freak (laughs) for that. I've gotten that way too. Yes. I can totally relate, Allie. (laughs) I want to control the light and the environment and everything. But I do traditional style portraiture that families are hanging on their walls. And it really does tie into the rest of my work. I'm also an exhibiting artist and a speaker. So I do a lot of traveling And they have all kind of started merging together in the last few years, which has been really, really cool and a way that I I didn't necessarily see my career going, but probably because I didn't want to jinx it. (laughs) You know, I didn't want to hope for something like that, but it's been, it's been neat. Are you, when you said you're an exhibiting artist, what does that Mm -hmm. mean exactly? So I'm in galleries and museums and all kinds of different display arenas all over the world. So partly due to the diverse town that we live in, I've got work in 29 countries worldwide, which is pretty cool. And lots of exhibitions all over the place. And I do conceptual work, storytelling type work, but I do that for my clients too. So it all kinds of ties into each other now, but it didn't always. I do painting and and um, watercolor, that type of work as well. But the heart and soul of my work is photography. How do you, you know, for people who are like, dang, I kind of would want to be an exhibiting artist. How do, how do you get into these different, you know, galleries and exhibits in different countries? Like, how did that even start? It really is. It's a small world once you get in there. The the art industry is is pretty small. And I've gotten a lot of shows just by knowing somebody else that was in it and maybe like tipped me off to it or putting a good word for me, that kind of thing. But it, at the beginning, it started as just boots on the ground going door to door <laughs> to these galleries and, and exhibitions. And, and it started with a lot of galleries that were trying to get off the ground themselves. So we kind of came up together and just finding anyone that was willing to display my work. And that goes for the marketing aspect of my portrait studio in addition to my exhibiting work that's for sale. So it's all kind of hand in hand now, but it's kind of spreading a lot of seeds and seeing (laughs) where I can get some roots in. Okay. So let's back up a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. 
You have a studio. Yes. Okay. Is it something that is in your house? Is it a rented studio? Do you own it? So my little studio is on the town square. I've rented it for 12 years. I've been in business 16, but I've been in this town for 12 years. So I rented this pretty early in my career, although it didn't feel like it at the time. (laughs) But I'm really proud of my little studio. It's this beautiful old hotel, but it's down on the street level and people walk around still downtown and I can prop my door open and people just stop in and chat. Um, So it's been a really nice way to get to know the other businesses in my neighborhood. I've seen a lot of businesses come and go during that time, but I'm sandwiched in between a jeweler and they're on their third generation is one neighbor and the other side is a spa and they've been there. um, They were there a couple years after, which is 10 years now. So they've been there a while too, Uh, but it's a nice little neighborhood feeling. Do you think that you you book clients, you know, maybe from other businesses talking about you or like you said, with your door propped open, someone just pops in. Does that ever, yeah. you know, come to anything? I don't know. I would like to say yes, because it's always my belief in marketing that it takes layers and layers, the seven, you know, that a consumer needs to see your mm-hmm. brand seven times before they're ready to commit to you. And I feel like that adds some layers there too. I feel like the longevity of the studio being right there offers a bit of comfort that I'm going to be around if there's, you know, a need. But I don't really know of direct of directly another business feeding someone my way. But I've, I've collaborated with the other businesses in my neighborhood quite a bit over the years in one way or another. So I think they're valuable relationships. And I would say probably, but I don't always know where my clients come from. And I've had people say sometimes too that um, they just couldn't get away from <laughs> my, like my business was haunting them. <laughs> I've got awesome. like a pink bird that's up on the window that's been there since the beginning and like I've had people say, well, I just couldn't get away from your bird. We just kept noticing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but now your work is really, really beautiful. It's, oh, it's thank you. It's just amazing. And, and I, it's not even like it's all the same either, which is what I really love. Oh, thank you. Know, you. You've, you've got some, obviously some in-studio things. You know, you've got some outdoors. Some of them look really beautifully, like painterly or maybe even composited. And some of them are just, you know, portraits about your subject, but it's just such an amazing collection of, of work that you have. I really love it. Thank you so much. I've always tried since the beginning of my photography career, I've always tried to do something at every single session that I've never done before. Hmm. And okay. this deep into my career, it <laughs> you know, it's challenging to come up with something new and it doesn't always work. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, that happens. <laughs> but you know, then I can refine it and try again. And part of the diversity of my area has allowed me to try different things and different techniques and see. Um, I've been really lucky that my clients have been so cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just yeah, that's great. people ready to try whatever and trust me with telling their story and really opening up to me and sharing their story is so huge because nothing makes me feel more creative or more 
ready to conquer this story than somebody saying, I don't know if you can work it in, but, and then proceeding to tell me something about their life or hobbies or anything that they want to preserve in some way, but don't, aren't really sure it's possible. And that's, that's when it's really fun to go to work. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's great. Especially when they have some sort of unique vision or something that you can bring to life, which yeah. that kind of leads me into the project that, that you do, because I'm assuming that when people come to you, you know, it has to do with loss, mm-hmm. you know, grief and loss and love, as you say, as they go mm-hmm. hand in hand. And obviously they want you to include that person who they love, who died. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, you know, I feel like usually they're going to have a vision related somewhat to that person. Am I on the right track? Yes. Tell, yes. tell people about your project and then we can kind of go from there. So um, hereith is a Welsh word for homesickness for a place to which you cannot return, perhaps a place that no longer exists. And the project wasn't even named until I was halfway done with it because I just couldn't find the words to describe the feelings behind the Bereaved Sibling Project, which is what it was titled as it was a work in progress. Our second child passed at birth, and mm-hmm. we have six children total, and I always include her in our total. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew that I wanted, when we were expecting our last baby, I knew that I wanted some way, some tangible imagery of all of my kids together because every mother wants that. And I wanted a way that would show that, you know, you've seen some attempts at this, some some um, different artists' visions for it, and just none of them spoke to me the way I wanted my family to be depicted. So I kind of talked it over to my husband. He's We met in art school, so he's <laughs> he's my greatest asset in that he won't sugarcoat it if, if he thinks something is a terrible idea. <laughs> And when I first presented this idea to him, he was like, I don't think it's going to work. But he was, of course, willing to help me try. And so I photographed all of my kids in stair-step order with a spot open for her. And then I photographed each of them in that spot. And then I put those pictures away for a long time until I figured out what I wanted to do with them. And what I ended up doing was building her in the open space, in the reflection only. And I built her through pieces of her living brothers and sisters. And that was really symbolic to me for them to all be a part of her. Because as a mom, you know, we see our kids in each other and all these, just a little flicker of an expression or the way they lift an eyebrow, all these little minute things that other people may not see, but we see them in each other. And I wanted to depict that visually, and I just wanted to have something to show people she's still here. The biggest fear I had when she died was that she would be forgotten. Mm -hmm. And this was my way of bringing her along with us and showing her with all of her brothers and sisters. And it was such an emotional, powerful experience. I built it in the composite. I built it in Photoshop. And then when you back up and look at it, it's just like, it was like an out-of-body experience to be able to see all of my children together. I can't even imagine. 
You know, it's interesting how obviously you don't want your daughter to be forgotten. But once, you know, and I know kids can't quite express this, Mm -hmm. but they don't want to be forgotten either. Yeah. You know, and this is such a way to honor that. Like my, my very best friend, Katie, died of cancer. And she always said when she knew she was dying, I'm so afraid that people are going to forget about me, that my kids aren't going to remember me, you know, and it's, um, it's fucking horrible. Oh, I'm so sorry. And so I'm always trying to, well, not trying, I do. I post a lot about her and I, I re I have like lists of my favorite things about her that I share. And, and, you know, it's not about me being like, oh, poor me, my best friend died and, you know, it's so sad or whatever. It's just, I post because I, I want to honor that for her. Like we would never forget her. I mean, of course, like there's not a chance in hell, but I think when you're faced with death like that, like that, you just don't know. And especially with, with children and, and especially a baby, you know, at birth, Mm -hmm. it's like, ah, and siblings and God, just the thought of, I don't don't know. It's just, and it, you know, when my, when my mother died, people would come and they would tell us all these stories about her. And that's something Mm -hmm. that these babies that died or young children that died were missing out on that element of other people being able to commiserate in our grief. Yeah. And this project gave, it was like almost like an excuse. Like we had a reason. You don't need a reason, but sometimes it's nice to have a reason to just talk and to share those moments with each other and we, uh, my family and I traveled all over the country for my kids' tournaments, and we would meet up with these families sometimes for just 10 minutes and get really quick elements. I'd photograph the elements that they had, you know, their children, and sometimes pieces of clothing or important elements. And those 10 minutes were so powerful. And we communicated a lot, you know, hearing their stories and and figuring out how I could tuck every last pixel with meaning and fill it with the most important parts of these kids' lives so that it was a complete story from start to finish for their families. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, so the way that you just kind of describe it on your website, I mean, you have this beautifully written paragraph or whatever, but it, it's a way for siblings, not just parents, but siblings also to kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, help keep the legacy of their brother or sister alive. Yeah. And that was, um, I mean, the siblings that are surviving are the legacy. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about anybody forgetting my daughter Keely as long as I'm alive. And now it's almost this part of my living children that they take with them the way they take their other living brothers and sisters too. But I didn't want that to feel like a burden to them. I wanted it to be just a part of their story, the way they are to each other. Mm-hmm. And I felt like creating this visual representation would assist in that. Mm-hmm. You know, I just recently interviewed another uh, tra- guy named Travis, and he has a, a really important passion project that he's doing. It has to do with with a rescuing Spanish hunting dogs. And oh, I think I've seen that. Yeah, it's a really, it's a, yeah, he started a really cool project. Anyway, you know, obviously these, these projects that people choose, you know, for Travis, it was 
helping these Spanish hunting dogs and getting them rescued and advocating for them. For you, it's helping people get through the grief of losing a child or a sibling. You know, there's all these mm-hmm. different things that we feel we want to use our photography for. And and it's interesting because Travis said it wasn't his intention to like get new clients or get work out of it or whatever, but he does. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that is the same for you or is it something, do you do all of this for free? I do all of this for free and that I expect absolutely nothing out of this. I um, We not only did the traveling for it, my family and I, but we also printed and framed everything that went into exhibition. And those are being donated to the families when the exhibitions are complete. So what I have didn't expect, I didn't foresee happening, but what has happened is that sharing this part of my life has a vulnerable part of my life and and heavy has allowed people to open up to me in a really big way and share parts of their story that they didn't know could be made into an image that didn't know they didn't know would be a cathartic process to create you know to be a part of this image creation and it's allowed people to come feel comfortable enough to come to me and share their stories, to tell their stories and create imagery. So I have gotten clients that have come to me when they otherwise wouldn't, if I hadn't shared this part of my work and in doing so sharing this part of my family. Yeah. Wow. It's really powerful. It's really powerful how, you know, something that is just so important to you can really, can really help your business, you know, yeah. and just help, yeah. help everything. It's yeah. And, and you also get to create, you know, really amazing work. It also gives you practice and it gets you creative. And, you know, so if you're out there thinking like, I don't have any new work to post or whatever, like mm-hmm. these are the types of things you can do to really stretch your wings and to really, you know, help master your craft. Absolutely. And I tell you, there is no project that I've ever worked on where I felt more pressure. And I've never been more consumed by a project than this one, because I had one chance to do it right. And I know I have a really strong mental vision of what my daughter would look like now. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that all the other mothers did too. And so we went into that. What I did was I created the images first, and then I talked to them. And it was really bizarre how what they were saying to me matched up with what had already been produced. And it was just like it was out of my hands. Yeah. So just that kind of creative fire that it lit, that pressure to do it right was, um, I think it was a tremendous blessing in my career as well as on a personal level. I think pressure is good sometimes. I think as business people, we are always under pressure, but sometimes really highlighting that in a personal way enables us to reach to our absolute limits of what we can do. And I think it's so good to have that from time to time. Yeah. And it really does it really does tie into the day-to-day work that I do because it's all connections. 
And I've worked with clients in a variety of ways, bringing in, uh, you know, old family pictures. I, I created an image called Conversations with Our Ancestors, and it was six generations of my family. And I put them on an, a porch of a family home that's no longer in existence. And I put them with my kids And because of compositing, I was able to make it look like they were all just sitting there together when in reality, most of those people never got to meet. So that's just another way that like I've created these visual connections for families. And that is absolutely where my heart is for my personal life and my career as well. Yeah, it's really amazing. It's, I love it. I love it. It's just, you know, what we do is can be just be so powerful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, let's switch gears a little bit and go back to your portrait studio Mm -hmm. and talk about, you know, just how you earn your main income with Mm -hmm. your portrait studio. Would you mind just sharing a little bit about how you do things? Like if you have, you know, one set of prices for everything or are you kind of all over the board depending on the shoot? Like how does that work? So I have one set of prices for everything. I'm very, very hands-on in that I do a pre-session consultation and that is, I feel like the most important part because that's where, you know, we can set up this comfortable space for them to talk about what's most valuable to them, to their heart and what's something that we could create that they're going to want to pass on to their children and their grandchildren and kind of be their legacy. So I have set pricing for everybody, but what people end up getting, it still kind of surprises me. The wall art that they, every time it's something a little bit different, which I absolutely love, but I'll shoot any, any type of family or individual portraits, anything like that. But very often it will include some element of storytelling on a composite level. Not, it doesn't have to be real elaborate, but it has to be real symbolic. (laughs) And, and that's kind of, that's kind of my reputation. That's, that's what I've built my brand on. That was kind of an accidental, I shouldn't say that on a business thing, but that was kind of an accidental part of my brand that I have really embraced. So much of what I've done is an accident. It's totally cool. Like I think a lot of people can relate to that. That's funny how that works. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. So let's talk, you said that it, it ends up being different every time with what people order. And, you know, so do you, do you have like a package just for digitals or do you not do digitals? Yeah, like, do I do digitals. Like? I feel like everybody wants digitals and I want to have that option for them because truth be told, if I were going to somebody else, I would want the digital files just in case. <laughs> now yeah. I value printed stuff more than you know, the average person probably being in the industry that I am, but I want to have that digital file as a backup too. So I have digital packages, but I don't have a digital file that doesn't include a print as well. So if they're getting 20 digital files, it's coming with an album or, you know, the big one with all of them, then that comes with prints and in a little display box kind of a thing. Okay, cool. But I pretty much always sell wall art and that's where the differences come in, like what they're wanting and and how how the final product is going to look. 
Okay. And do you uh, know your average sale or, you know, do you have like a starting at package price? My average sale right now is just under 5000 What's oh, actually, I, I'll call, call it 5000 Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Give myself a bump. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I can see why. I mean, when it, like when you look at your work, you can just see there's a lot put into it. Like it feels elevated and it feels fine art. Oh, thank you. And that's not to say that, you know, someone who prefers to do like zero editing, they're pretty much giving uh, photos straight out of camera. That's not mm-hmm. to say that they can't charge 5000 I'm not saying that in any way, shape, or form because I right. think the, ser- the level of service you provide and the connection you make with the people and, you know, the, the type of wall art you're showing and samples and how you're talking about it, like all of that can lead to a $5,000 sales average. Absolutely. But there is something to say when you look at the quality of work that you see that you do, it's kind of expected. I feel like that you're, that you're going to be at that $5,000 range. And, and you also have several awards, like you're a, an associate associate photographer for Portrait Masters. So you uh-huh. earned that. Yeah. And you're awarded in some, like a bunch of different other ways too, which is amazing. So, you know, definitely well-deserved. Thank you. But yeah, it, it, it makes sense that your average would be 5,000. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't always. <laughs> yeah. When I first, you know, got the studio and was, you know, I remember the first time my first, you know, four digit sale was like, we're getting takeout tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember mine, too. It was like, oh, my God, I just did that. Yes. That's so awesome. Yeah, it's a good feeling. And then yeah, really soon is. after, you're like, okay, maybe I was lowballing myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once you realize you can do it, that one, it gives you some confidence. It's like, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the reason I do... There, you know, there's a fair amount of post-production work on my images because I love it. I love it. I grew up with Photoshop. I started with Photoshop when it didn't have a number. It was just regular old Photoshop. And I've worked with it for 20, 22 years now. So I'm really fast at it too. So it doesn't take a lot of time. But I absolutely love that element of it. If I didn't, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, as far as where you get your clients, because it sounds like while you are in this small town, the mm-hmm. majority of people are kind of transient, transient yes. coming yeah. in and out. So how are you like marketing? And is it mostly the people who are, you know, student families and that sort of thing? Or is it the people who like locals who are your clients? It's probably close to 50-50. I have more local people. Well, yeah, it probably is really about 50-50 when you factor in faculty and staff at the university as well as students and student families and people just coming into town to visit. I get a lot of international clientele coming into town to visit their family and they're there for a limited time, but they want something that's going to preserve that visit. It's for a lot of them, they're coming once and that's it. I've had several international family reunions and one had three different continents of families coming together. This was, it was so cool. All the accents. I need a cool accent. I sound so stupid sometimes when I'm trying to say (laughs) these beautiful names that are like French or 
you know, right? Norwegian or whatever. And I here know. I like butcher it. And here yeah, we are, and I'm, our Midwest <laughs> accents, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I hear dueling banjos when I say things that should sound beautiful. <laughs> no, that's that's me. <laughs> yeah, love it, love it. But I am out in the community as much as humanly possible. And I feel like the longevity of the studio there really helps with that because people know where they can find me and that I'm not going anywhere. But I try to be out there just meeting. I mean, I've I've worked with so many different... I had a great relationship with a soup place. <laughs> you know, a you wouldn't... Soup or soup? Soup. S-O-U-P. Oh. <laughs> and like we had a great... It, unfortunately, they didn't make it through the COVID shutdowns. But um, they were great salespeople of my work and would I would decorate their walls and they would talk to people about that I was just down the street and, you know, and so it really all comes down to relationships and relationship building and, and just being the name that if someone is looking for artwork or a photographer in your town, that your name is synonymous with mm-hmm. that. You're going to be the first one they think about, even if they don't know you. Mm-hmm. So you just want to be like in their heads. <laughs> Well, this has all been super interesting. I really appreciate you sharing everything. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Now, one thing, I don't think you said the name of your of the project that you do for the parents who are grieving a child or siblings who are grieving a sibling. So it, while it was a work in progress, it was um, just called the Bereaved Siblings Project, but the title of the exhibition is Hereith. Okay. And you said it's a word from... Yeah, it's a Welsh word for a homesickness, for a place to which you cannot return, perhaps a place that no longer exists. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. It's a beautiful word. It's very powerful. Yeah, it's really great. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing everything. I do have a couple more questions that I always ask at the end of each episode. And the first one is, what is something you cannot live without when you're doing a photo shoot? Oh, um, coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really, other than that, if I have a camera, I have really old equipment, so I'm not going to miss that (laughs) as long as I have something to photograph Tell me what is old, because I think sometimes people think they need the shiny and new in order to make beautiful portraits. Oh, no. So I have gotten my master's degree, two master's degrees, craftsman and CPP and associate, all of this on two 13-year-old Nikon D300S bodies. There you go. You heard it right there. And I think they're both sitting at half a million actuations. So it is not the equipment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my lens is has duct tape on it. Oh my gosh. I have my 85 has duct tape on it too. It's so ridiculous. I love it though. I'm very loyal. Like, Whatever. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, oh, it still works. I'm not about to. Right? I know. It's Why my, would I buy a new one? <laughs> we've been through a lot together. I feel like I owe it. <laughs> yeah. My lens is like, oh, let I me rest. <laughs> yeah. I love it. All right. Number two is how do you spend your time when you're not working? Oh gosh. Um, I'm a volunteer soccer coach. Oh, fun. <laughs> And Is that what I, you're talking about with the tournaments? Um, well, no. Actually, two of my kids are ranked Pokemon players. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. I know. It's a whole world out there. Yeah. They're, um, one is just, he's like particularly freakishly good at it. 
And the that other one, cool. once again, with his friends mainly. So that's why we go to those. But uh, it's taken us all over the place. That is and cool. um Yeah. Yeah. So you'll find us on the soccer field or at Pokemon tournaments. But other than that, that's pretty much that's That's it. <laughs> That's awesome. what we do. Yeah. All right. And number three is, what is your favorite inspirational quote? Okay. I have this taped up next to my computer because I call in it all the time. And I don't actually, this image has it attributed to Franklin Roosevelt, but I'm not, I've seen it attributed to a few different places. But the quote is, smooth seas never made a skilled sailor. And Ooh, um, I, I like that it. in mind. Yes. Uh, setbacks usually are opportunities in disguise. Mm-hmm. So I try to keep that in mind in art and business and life in general. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. And number four is what would you tell people who are just starting out? You're in the right business. <laughs> there will be times that it doesn't feel like it. There will be times that you feel like it's not ever going to happen. But if you're being honest with yourself and you're being genuine to your clients and your audience, then just be patient and your day will come. Mm, I love it. All right. And if people want to find you online and social media, where could they look? Yes, please come find me on Instagram, especially. I'm Mrs. MRS Allie Elliott, A-L-Y-E-L-L-I-O-T-T. I would love to have you there. I also do live editing on Twitch. So all of my competition images are edited on Twitch live and there's a chat there. Yeah. And you can come hang out with us and it's awesome because I'd be here doing this anyway, but now I have people to hang out with me and listen to copyright free music with. (laughs) Nice. That's awesome. And of course I'm on YouTube. You can see all the old Twitch videos there And um, Facebook is really just the portraiture stuff. So that's not my whole party. But join me on Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. All right. Sweet. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Yeah. All right. You have a wonderful summer. I'm so happy it's finally summer. I know. (laughs) It really is. It came in with a bang. I love it. All right. Sweet. Thanks, Allie. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-day startup challenge, plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business, lighting PDFs. I mean, truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. 
Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and 8 frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.